Our Father, we do quiet our hearts this morning before your word. The word of this gospel, this good news to your people, this good news of your kingdom, which is already breaking into this world through the incarnation of your son, Jesus Christ, and his ministry, and in the calling of his disciples. Father, may we be attentive to that very same call to follow Jesus, to follow him immediately, to follow him without reservation as we hear his voice calling to each of us from the shoreline of our lives. We ask, O Lord, that your word would be fulfilled this day. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, in our gospel, we hear these two parallel statements. The first comes to us in verse 18. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And the parallel statement is in verse 20. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. They followed him. They followed him. It's an activity that Mark will describe throughout his gospel. He uses this over and over again throughout the gospel. Sometimes he uses it to tell us about the crowds that will follow Jesus from place to place. For instance, like we see in chapter, in the next chapter, chapter 2, there were many who followed him. Or what we find in chapter 3, a great multitude followed him from Galilee. Or in chapter 5, in other places, a large crowd followed him. The picture that Mark usually gives us here shows us Jesus doing some kind of sign or miracle or giving some kind of teaching, and then he starts to go off to another place. And as he goes off to another place, as he transitions to another town, these crowds, Mark reminds us, follow him. They followed him. But Mark will also use this word to describe his disciples, the disciples of Jesus. Sometimes the disciples follow Jesus just like the crowds. They merely go where Jesus goes. If Jesus gets up and goes to another town, the, the, the disciples will follow Jesus to that town. If Jesus goes to another part, uh, gets into a boat to cross the sea or something like that, they will follow him. It just means that they go where he goes. But at other times, most of the time, when the disciples follow Jesus, Mark intends for us to see this as a unique kind of following. Not just going where Jesus goes, following him from place to place, but they follow his teaching. They follow his way of life. They follow him. It's the following of discipleship. It's the following of his example. It's imitating his life. It's believing his teaching and his preaching. It's aligning themselves, aligning themselves completely with, with who Jesus is and what he does and what he says and where he goes. At one point in this gospel, in chapter 8, Jesus will gather his disciples together and will tell them, if any want to become my followers, they must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And another point in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 10, Peter will say to Jesus, look, we have left everything and followed you. See, it's a very unique kind of following, isn't it? The following of discipleship. It's the student who follows the teacher. It's this kind of following in the sense of attachment. I join myself to this person, this leader. I devote myself to him and to his way of life. I attach myself to following Jesus. 
And when we look at it through that lens, it really raises the stakes of this story, I think, what we see in our lesson this morning. Jesus, almost from out of nowhere, comes walking along the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee, and you can see it, right? You can picture this, Jesus walking down the shoreline. You've got the boats in the water, you've got the fishermen casting their nets, and here comes Jesus, just kind of out of nowhere, walking along the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. And he sees Simon and Andrew, these two brothers, casting their net into the sea. And he calls out to them, follow me, follow me, literally, come behind me. And they followed him. Verse 18 again says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Further down the shoreline, as Jesus continues to walk down the shoreline, he spies James and John in a boat with their father and some hired servants, and they are mending their nets, perhaps having just come back in from the the shore, coming back in from the sea, out fishing, they now are are mending their nets and getting ready to to maybe close up for the day, or maybe they're getting ready to go out for the day. It's It's not clear, but they are here mending their nets, and he gives the same command, It says, immediately he called them and they left their father in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. It's more than just going to where Jesus goes. It's more than just walking to the same place that Jesus walks to. It's more than just walking behind Jesus, kind of following along with Jesus. It is much more than that. It's about following his life. It's about devoting themselves to to his teaching. It's about responding fully to his call. It's about aligning themselves, aligning themselves completely with who Jesus is and what Jesus does and what he says and where he goes. It's a kind of following that involves attachment, discipleship. And we might be shocked by the immediacy of their response. Have you noticed this? Have you ever wondered about this when you're reading this story? The immediacy of their responses. They immediately got up and followed Jesus. It's quite shocking. In fact, Mark uses this word immediately twice in this passage. It's a favorite word of Mark. If you read through Mark, he likes to use this word, and immediately this happened, and immediately this happened, and Jesus did this, and immediately this happened. It's kind of his way of moving the action forward. But he uses it very intentionally here in this passage, I think, where he says that Jesus called, and immediately Simon and Andrew left their net. And it says, immediately Jesus called and James and John left their father. Immediately. And we might ask, why did they follow so immediately? What compelled them to leave these things behind and follow Jesus so quickly? Well, Mark gives us no indication that they knew who Jesus was. Uh, they, they have, we have no indication that they had heard him preach or teach before this encounter. Yet they respond immediately to this call and they follow him. John's gospel, which we heard last week, told us some backstory, didn't it? It told us that Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist, and Andrew began following Jesus because of the teaching of John the Baptist. And then Andrew goes and finds his brother Simon, Peter, and brings him to Jesus. But Mark is very different. He doesn't give us any of that backstory. He doesn't tell us about this encounter with with Jesus through John the Baptist. He doesn't talk about Andrew bringing Peter to, to Jesus. He doesn't give us any of that. He just plunges us right into the midst of this story where we don't have any of that background. And I think he does it to highlight the immediacy of their response. 
Think about that. The immediacy of their response is highlighted by the fact that they don't have any prior experience with Jesus, and yet they respond to him immediately. But then we're also shocked by the totality of their response. The totality of their response. They leave everything behind. Again, as Simon Peter will reiterate several chapters after this, we have left everything and followed you. The text tells us here that Simon and Andrew were fishermen, and being fishermen, they were casting their net into the sea, and we can picture that as well. Being fishermen, they were casting their net into the sea, and when Jesus commanded them to follow him, they immediately left those nets behind. The very tools of their trade, the very essence of their livelihood itself, the thing that brought whatever financial security they had, they leave it behind. They leave it all behind. It's a total response. The, the totality of following. And we see the same thing from James and John, don't we? As they are in the boat mending their nets, they hear the call of Jesus, and when Jesus calls, they leave it all behind. They left their nets behind, they left their boat behind, they left the hired servants behind, and they even left their own father behind to follow Jesus. And so we're shocked, aren't we, by the immediacy of their following and also the totality of their following. When Jesus shows up on the shoreline of their lives, they follow immediately and fully. And in both of these, I think there's probably a lesson for all of us as well. When Jesus calls us to follow him, it's a call to follow him immediately. There's no room for delay here. There, there's no time for us to weigh our options. There's no opportunity for us to, to talk it over or to think about it for a while. When Jesus calls us, he doesn't call us to follow him when convenient. It's an immediate call that demands an immediate response. And when Jesus calls us to follow him, it's a call to follow him totally, to follow him with all that we are. A response must be a response of totality. It's a call to hold nothing back, to let everything go, to leave everything behind. The entirety of one's life is to be totally attached to this person of Jesus Christ. And this is a radical thing, isn't it? This doesn't make sense. When we look at what they are actually doing, this is a very radical thing. It requires sacrifice. It requires we let go sometimes of our own jobs or our own possessions. It requires us to let go sometimes of our family life or our stability or our safety or our security to follow Jesus fully, totally, immediately. When we look at these first disciples and how they responded, we see that they responded to the call of Jesus and, and when they did so, they were embarking upon a journey or a lifestyle that would demand everything. I mean, Peter was right when he will eventually say in chapter 10 that, that uh, we have left everything to follow you. They gave up regular family life to travel with Jesus. We're told that Peter, at least, has a mother-in-law, so at least at some point in Peter's life, he was 
probably married. We see his mother-in-law in in the the very uh, next passage just after this where Jesus heals her. But we're not told what that family life was like. Is it possible that Peter's wife traveled with them, with the disciples, as part of Jesus' group moving from town to town? Or maybe Peter had to leave his wife for a time, a period of, uh, of time to go and be with Jesus. We're not told, but whatever it is, it's the giving up of a regular family life. They give up economic aspirations as they are dependent on the generous support of others. We know that Jesus and his companions, his disciples, were dependent on these wealthy women who gave to their cause and supported them in their ministry and helped them find food and gave them places to stay. They give up their stability in following Jesus. Following Jesus in their specific call did not allow them to put down roots or buy a house or save for retirement. This is the life that they were called to, a life that was not necessarily stable. This is not a middle-class kind of following. Ultimately, they even gave up their very lives to follow Jesus. Each of these four disciples that we are encountered with this morning in our gospel, each of these four disciples, with the exception of John, would be martyred for their faith, would be martyred for their following of Jesus, starting with James, who was beheaded around the year 44 in the city of Jerusalem. We then see Peter, who was taken to Rome and crucified on a cross upside down. We see Andrew, who was crucified on a cross in the shape of an X. The call to follow Jesus demands immediacy and totality. And it may look different for each of us. We may not necessarily be called to the same kind of following that the disciples were called to, but it still has the same kind of immediacy and totality that was required of them. Each of us still has to hear the voice of Jesus calling from the shoreline of our lives And having heard his call, we need to ask ourselves, honestly, how are we following him? How are we following him in this call? This call is uh, a challenging and difficult call, isn't it? This call is a challenging and difficult call. And again, I go back to the earlier question, why? Why do they respond in this way? Why do they respond so quickly? Why do they respond so totally? Without any apparent knowledge of Jesus or background experiences with his teaching, what is so compelling here that they drop everything on the spot to follow him? I can think of no other answer than the person of Jesus himself. Why do they get up and leave? Why do they leave everything behind? Why do they drop everything and go? I can find no other answer except it's Jesus. Jesus himself. They follow him immediately and totally because they are following Jesus. Jesus, who comes to the shoreline of their lives and speaks as the word of God. He comes to the shoreline of their lives and he speaks with the voice of God. Follow me. 
follow me. It's a, a call to join the ranks, isn't it? It's a, a call that the king has arrived. His kingdom is advancing. Follow me. Follow me is a command to, to suit up, to leave the barracks and to join the ranks, to step into line and follow Jesus as he marches into battle. Follow me. Follow me. Earlier, Mark showed us this message of Jesus in verse 14 and 15, where it says, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, this good news of God, saying the the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Believe the good news. What is the good news? That the kingdom of God is on the move, that the king is marching on. And he's recruiting people to join his ranks. Follow me. Mark shows us here that Jesus speaks as God himself. We can think back to the very opening verse of this gospel, verse 1 of chapter 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Or we think back to the baptism of Jesus, which we saw a couple weeks ago in verse 11. A voice from heaven said, you are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. When Jesus speaks, he speaks as the son of God. In verses 12 and 13, we have the story of the victory that Jesus has over Satan in the wilderness as he's tempted in the wilderness those 40 days. All of this comes together to show us that Jesus is the embodiment of God's kingdom. He is the edge of that spear which is breaking into our world. God is on the move. The true king has landed. This is the good news that enables all whom Jesus calls to follow him. This is the good news that enables us to follow him immediately and fully. Follow me. The history of the church is filled with people who have responded to this call in the same way. Just like these early disciples, they heard the voice of Jesus calling to them from the shoreline of their lives and they responded to that call immediately, leaving everything behind, totally following Jesus with all that they had and all that they are. They were. They heard the voice of Jesus on the shoreline of their lives and they left everything to follow him. I think of the missionary monks that we find in the early Middle Ages, around the third to the fifth centuries. St. Patrick, who was himself a Briton, but was taken into slavery into Ireland and having escaped from slavery in Ireland, he goes back to Ireland to preach the gospel to those pagans. And he brings the entire island to salvation in Christ. Or I think of St. Columba, who was this famous missionary monk around the same time who moves from Ireland to the western coast of Scotland and establishes a monastery at a place called Iona, a small little island. It's just this insignificant place, but it becomes a beachhead of the kingdom of God because Columba had responded to the voice of Jesus to follow me. And from that little island, Iona, from that little place on the western coast of Scotland, 
the entirety of northern Scotland and northern England were, were brought to salvation. Or I think of Boniface, another missionary monk who came from England to, to the German pagans. And he came to their camp and found that they had a sacred tree. And in the middle of the night, he cut down that tree and demonstrated the power of God over their pagan religion. And they were saved. They were brought to salvation because Boniface had heard the voice of Jesus at some point on the shoreline of his life. And he got up immediately and followed Jesus fully. Or then there's those who followed Jesus right where they were. They didn't have to leave their place, their hometown. They didn't have to go anywhere, but they followed Jesus right where they were. People like Julian of Norwich, they're on the eastern coast of England, southeast England, who hears the voice of the Lord, and she follows him fully right where she was, becoming uh, a nun, becoming uh, a spiritual guide, in her own city. All of these, throughout all the history of the church, going back to the earliest of these disciples, followed Jesus fully and immediately. They were attentive to the call and obedient to the call, and they surrendered fully to that call because they followed Jesus. They followed Jesus. Now what about us? What about you? Maybe Jesus showed up for you on the shoreline of your life many, many years ago. How are you still following him today? Does he still have your immediacy? Does he still have your totality? What does that call look like for you? Maybe you heard his voice only recently. Maybe even just today, maybe right now. How will you respond to the voice that you hear calling you? Follow me. Recognizing again, it's not anything in us that has warranted this call. There's nothing in us that deserves this call. But we follow him fully and immediately because it is grace. It is sheer grace, the gift of God, to first of all give us this call and then second of all to enable us to respond to this call. And we follow this call because this call invites us to follow Jesus.